hi and welcome back to another Mental Health Monday instalment. So today I'm going to be lifting the lid on the often ignored truth about what mental health is and why it matters to your chance of recovery. I'm Katie Woodland, maverick psychologist, business coach, TEDx speaker and best-selling author who helps female entrepreneurs overcome emotional anguish so that they can skillfully apply their energy, enthusiasm and effort to building a profitable business and leaving a lasting impact on the world. So last Thursday, while carrying out the daily morning practice over in the Emotionally Free Life community, I ended up climbing onto one of my <coughs> many <coughs> soapboxes. So this time it was sparked by some random nonsense that I'd seen on Twitter where someone was promoting their new book all about how they survive each day with their mental illness. So here's the thing, depression, anxiety, schizophrenia, autism, ADHD, and every other mental illness listed in the DSM-5, which is the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or the ICD-11, which is the International Classification of Diseases, well, they're not mental illnesses. So the definition of an illness is a disease or period of sickness affecting the body or mind. People struggling to manage all the infuriatingly unhelpful way that their brains manage the day-to-day -day activities are not sick. They also did not end up where they are because they picked up a virus, inhaled a pathogen, or randomly sucked in a mental illness worm through the bottom of their feet. Yes, you absolutely can catch the flu this way, develop shingles and or find a tapeworm inside you because of this method of transfer, but you categorically can't catch mental illness. Calling them mental illnesses is the same as calling somebody's broken leg a leg disease. And hopefully by now you get how ludicrous that is. Now when I was battling all the demons from my past, I wasn't sick, ill or mentally unhealthy. I had simply wired my brain in such a way that I was able to function. It didn't matter that this rewiring ended up being extremely harmful to me. So day by day, the decisions I was making to get up, go to school, go to work and all the other things I had to do slowly altered how my brain was functioning. It's the same process that our brains go through when we're trying to build any new habit. Like all those New Year's resolutions you made a couple of months ago, which you're not doing anymore. In the beginning, you make a conscious effort to make a different decision, but after a while, the new decision, your habit, becomes automatic. Kind of like when you first start to drive, how everything is unbelievably scary, and I totally freaked out the first time I moved the car, even though it was only going at two mile an hour, and after a while, you find yourself driving along, paying no attention to the physical things you're doing to get the car to move. We even find ourselves getting to a destination we travel to frequently without having a clue how we got there. All that's happened is you've simply wired in the driving habit. For me, the first way I tried to cope was by becoming inconsequential. If I hid away, made myself as irrelevant as possible and just stayed well out of the way, then I'd be fine. After all, this was the advice I was given by my teachers, my parents and every other adult to cope with bullying. It didn't work. I still dealt with physical violence, non-stop verbal abuse and my first instance of sexual abuse. So next I tried shutting down emotionally. I figured out that it was probably easier to guard myself against being hurt if I didn't care about other people. But bear in mind, I'd already wired in the hiding away habit. This was an additional 
um, coping mechanism to that one and not instead of. Now the problem was that this ended up causing quite a lot of issues both as a teenager and as an adult. And as it transpires, hiding and not caring don't actually seem to go together very well in my brain. Now it might for you, you're different, have different experiences and have different deep-rooted beliefs. Now at the same time as I was starting to shut down emotionally, the way that I was acting and reacting to bullying shifted. Instead of hiding away, I stood defiant. Instead of hiding, I started fighting back. The real problem, I didn't care whether the other person ended up being injured. I didn't care if what I said caused them immense emotional or physical pain. And as an adult, I ended up cutting myself off emotionally to such an extent that I would say things without realizing that it would be hurtful. Because I didn't feel anything, I couldn't understand why the words I said would make somebody else feel something. And had I been sent to a psychologist's office and they delved into all the things I'd done, they'd have quickly diagnosed me with things like lacking empathy, callous and unemotional, psychopathic, and during my early teens I even ticked enough boxes for a diagnosis of conduct disorder. The problem was that I just kept doing these things over and over and over again. I tried drugs, I tried alcohol, I tried moving locations, I tried every possible way to protect myself that my brain could conjure up. The real problem is that I just never dealt with everything. I just shoved it down, ignored it and told myself that I didn't care. My body? Well, it cared. I was experiencing unbearable amounts of physical pain. I was unable to feel anything good. I was existing as a shell of a human and it became so bad, I figured a way to check out. Thankfully, I failed. And after a crazy 15 years, I've been led to where I am today. And for 13 years, I was scrambling out of the emotional black hole that I dug for myself. Then in 2017, I finally took back complete control of my brain's wiring. Don't get me wrong, I was already a changed person and experiencing so many wonderful things in life by that point, but there was still a small part of my past that I was keeping firmly under lock and key. And it wasn't until I'd opened up Pandora's box did I find emotional and mental freedom. So here's another truth that you've probably never heard. When someone is battling for control of their brain, i.e. struggling with mental illness, the prefrontal cortex is massively impaired. Now, if you look at any fMRI scans, this area is quite literally looked up like a Christmas tree. Now, the prefrontal cortex is located like right at the front of your head and is uniquely large in humans compared to other animals. Now, what's key to understand about this area of the brain is it's responsible for working memory. And this is your brain's ability to hold information in its consciousness which is then manipulated based on our past beliefs, current thoughts, feelings and understanding of the event at hand before being moved into the short-term memory store. It's kind of like how many things you can process at a time. So for example, most people can remember a sequence of words or numbers which is no more than seven long. Over seven and we all have extreme difficulties remembering them all. 
It's also responsible for abstract thinking. Now, this is the brain's ability to think about ideas, objects and principles which are not physically represented in front of us. So, for example, your ability to set goals, take actions on your ability to daydream about lying on a tropical beach, pina colada in hand. It's also responsible for social behaviour and this refers to how much your feelings, actions and thoughts are influenced by others. So for example, whether you walk into a room filled with people who are laughing and believe they're laughing at you, whether you instinctively reach out and shake somebody's hand when you're being introduced or whether you feel paranoid in a room full of complete strangers. It's also responsible for executive functioning and these are the higher order cognitive abilities such as the ability to plan, make decisions, solve problems, sequence actions correctly, assign and organise tasks and to take action towards your goals. They're kind of like your logical functions which enable you to not only decide what you want to do in your life but also to create a list of to-dos which will enable you to bring your desires about. It's also responsible for behaviour monitoring and this refers to your own ability to monitor and adapt your behaviours when necessary so you can fit in with societal norms. So for example, most of us wouldn't scream, shout and jump on tables in a library but would quite happily do so in a nightclub. It's also responsible for your ability to resist distractions. So this is how well you can focus on specific tasks and the speed at which you can return to a task after you become distracted. For example, if you're working hard to get something done, how focused you are on just that one thing or how quickly you get back to taking action on that one thing after you distract yourself by checking your phone or someone else distracts you by asking you if you want a cup of tea. Providing awareness of self, so this refers to how good you are at monitoring, understanding, accepting and adapting your thoughts, beliefs and emotions so you can successfully navigate through different aspects of your life and providing awareness of time and this refers to our ability to understand the order in which events occur in relation to other events. So for example, during a thunderstorm, the thunderclap appears to occur after the lightning strike. However, we know that in reality both occur at the same time because light travels faster than sound, we see the lightning and then can measure the distance of the storm by paying attention to the number of seconds which pass before we hear the thunderclap. Do you notice anything about all of those brain skills I've just mentioned? Yep, you guessed it, all of them are impaired to a certain degree when someone has been diagnosed with a mental illness. In fact, many of those impairments are diagnostic criteria for specific mental illnesses. Now, many people will tell you that the reason you're suffering from mental health disorder, you've been assigned by your GP, the mental health nurse, or even a psychologist, is because that specific part of your brain is damaged. And this is not true. You have simply applied unhelpful coping mechanisms to your life after tra a traumatic event or series of traumatic events which has resulted in wonky wiring within this brain region. How do I know this? Because I know there was a time in your life when you didn't have depression, didn't have anxiety and didn't suffer with whatever else you've been labelled with. Okay, so there are exceptions to the rule. Someone who has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, someone who has autistic spectrum condition and someone who has a specific learning disorder, whether it's with reading or maths, well, their brains are wired differently from birth. 
these are classified as neurological disorders and the super exciting thing is that even if you have one of these you can still alter your wiring so that it's helpful to you the only difference between someone who has one of these three and someone who doesn't is the rewiring process will need to be adapted to work alongside the natural wiring process rather than simply snipping away at the unhelpful connections over my time as a psychologist, I've helped children with autistic spectrum disorder who the local services said would never speak, learn to speak. I've helped children diagnosed with attention deficit hyperactivity disorder who were segregated because of their inability to focus or concentrate for longer than a couple of minutes, not only return to a normal classroom, but thrive. I've even helped many adults, including myself, who have difficulties with reading or maths excel in these areas. I've worked with countless adults struggling with extreme anxiety and depression, many of whom only come to me after multiple suicide attempts, break completely free, not just in the short term, but for years after we finished working together. And do you know, want to know what the secret to their success is? They accepted there's nothing wrong with them. They embraced the idea that they are not ill. They wholeheartedly welcome the fact that they can have the life, the relationships and the future they desire if they just first sort out their unhelpful wiring. The same as a child's electronic toy won't work if you put the battery in the wrong way, our brains struggle to function if we haven't input our feelings, thoughts and beliefs in a way which is helpful. Look, I get it. For many of you watching this or listening, if you're on the podcast, I've just completely flipped your world upside down. But doesn't it feel awesome? So all you need to do now is follow the link below to watch my TEDx talk where I share the three steps everyone can take to a life full of emotional and mental freedom. Plus, you also get to download a free Get Started PDF giving you three psychological techniques to safely alter your wiring so you too can live a life free from the burdens of your past experiences. See you soon.